0: Takafusa Kubo, 19 years of age, recently at that, brought through La Masia's academy before having to return to his native Japan, where he picked up over 2,000 minutes in the J-League as a teenager. He returned to Spain, to Real Madrid, Barca's rivals, for a fee reported to be in the region of, sort of 2 million euros, before immediately getting the chance to go out on
1: loan this season to Real Mallorca. Why are we talking about him, David? I think because there's been so much hype around Kubo for some time largely because of the fact that he, he could have been at barcelona but obviously there issues with um you know the signing ineligible under 18s um you know they the violated fifa's transfer policy um and the fact that he ended up with real at real madrid of all places um <laughs> makes him such an interesting character anyway and then he is actually unbelievably good um and i think you know, Japan have had some nice players come through and, and, and we know how serious they take their football. Their interest in it is, is, is massive there. And, and now they could genuinely have a, a global superstar, I think, on their hands in the next few years with Kubo. Um, he's only 19, just turned 19 in June. Um, and, and I think all the signs are he could go very much all the way in his career.
0: I think he's one of those players where you see the sort of highlight reels from... Like you do for many players when they 're in La Masia scoring a lot of goals, uh, compilations with all the zany techno music, that kind of thing, then you see him go to the J League and you see him you know make professional players look just ridiculous he 's turning players inside out and you 're wondering, does that translate? Does that translate to European game? Does that translate to playing top flight football and I mean just as you 've seen from players in the past, for example, Neymar at Santos embarrassing people in the Brazilian League. I think you kind of get that same vibe from Kubo when you're watching those sort of clips from him at Tokyo, clips of him coming through. And, you know, there's there's always that question mark of, does it translate? And he's just shown this season, going to Real Madrid, he's been trusted massively. They've clearly made big promises to Real Madrid about how many minutes he'll get for them. Um, He's made, you know... 19 starts he's come off the bench 11 times he's already sort of at that 2000 minute mark which is you know a really really good number for a player looking to make big strides over the next few years Um, and it's just been sort of seamless hasn't it really Um, sometimes you worry that, that, that with younger players maybe you know in Kubo's mold you worry are they physically going to be able to handle you know the rigors of the sort of senior pro game and he's just made it all look quite simple I think
1: I think so, yeah. Um, definitely, you know, it's the first thing people identify. They, they say, you know, he's, his height, um, he, he doesn't look particularly the strongest, but he's one of those players who seems to just use his body so, so well despite his height. You know, I'm thinking of Ed Nazar who does it really, really well. Um, it, and I think Kubo has got that about him. And he can also get past you in, in, in several different ways. I think he's very intelligent, so he can read the game and, and, and suck you in, I think, before... You know, just laying off a pass to an overlapping run. I think he's got. We'll touch on it, but I think he's got a really nice relationship on the Mallorca right side at the moment with uh, Portho, who's on on loan from Sevilla. Um, and then he can also beat you with pace, or so he can beat you directly with skill as well. So I think he's got numerous ways he can go about you. He's not a one-trick pony. Um, he can go outside, he can cut inside as well, and, and he's largely been placed on out from a wide area. But that doesn't mean he's played as an out-and-out winger. He's a very interesting player. They do try to find him out there with maybe long diagonal balls or they try to find him when he's really hugging the touchline. And and that's when he starts to pull players out of position and others can can take advantage. Um, And that's what's been really impressive about him. I like the way he's read the game in that sense. And I think Mallorca, the the coach, the the players have seen that as well. And and you can see now that they very much play to, to how Kubo wants So how would you sort of contextualise for people who maybe haven't watched a great deal of
0: uh, Real Mallorca's games this season, what's their sort of setup? Uh, how does Kubo fit into that Um, and also I mean as you say he's been so so important which I mean it's a big thing for Mallorca to kind of commit to given that you know it is a one season loan and yet you know there's so much onus on him already but just for people who haven't watched um, how would you sort of categorise that role?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mayorka's pretty much playing, um, I think, in a very similar situation as to when they came up. They they play either a 4-4-1-1 or a 4-3-3. Now, Cucho Hernandez, another very talented young player, and Kubo are usually the wide players in in that system. Uh, Kubo sometimes does uh, sorry, Hernandez uh, sometimes does play just behind Budomir in that 1-1, but sometimes it does look like a 4-3-3, and Hernandez and Kubo are, are both just outside and, and and sticking wide. Um, and I think like I said, I think Kubo always retains his width. He, he, he I mean Moreno's Vincente Moreno's been reluctant so far to play him centrally. I think that might be where Kubo ends up in the future. A lot of players start out wide and they eventually come inside. to start and play in more central areas. Marco Asensio, funnily enough at Mallorca started out as a left winger, um a very pacey left winger and then as we've seen his career de- develop he's come inside a little bit more. And Kubo just likes to retain that width in that team, whether that wherever system they play, whether it be that four four one one or the four three three, or kind of like a four two three one. But either way, he likes to retain width. He likes to play people inside. I think the goal against um Celta when Portho came and scored was a great example of that. If you look, the Kubo picked up the ball very very wide. He waited for Portho's run, and Portho actually cut inside as opposed to, to overlapping as a full-back going on the outside because Kubo retained that width so, so much. He slotted the ball inside and Potho cut in and scored. Really, really, really nice goal. Um, and, and I think that's largely how... It was a great example of how Kubo has been playing, basically.
0: I mean, it is interesting. You mentioned previously, you know, he, he can do both. He is a player who, you know, he, he's a dual threat. Um, he, he can cut inside. He favours his left foot a little bit more. Obviously, when he takes set-pieces, he favours his left foot but at the same time you know as an opposition fullback you can never quite be sure what you're going to be facing up against because it might be that he jinks inside and looks to shoot it might be that the uh, overlap or underlapping um wingback comes and drags inside instead it can be that Kubo decides despite you know favoring his left foot that he'll drop a shoulder get to the byline and pull one back with his right foot i mean he's really not afraid to you know control the ball with either foot He's not afraid to push off and drive and, and and use either foot and deliver with either foot, and I think that's something that's you know, a lot sort of made of that um, with big players. Usman Dembele is one player where you know it's always made a big deal is made of the fact that you know he 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 would shoot with either foot. It doesn't matter. Mason Greenwood's another that comes to mind, but I think Kubo, while he's not sort of that ambidextrous in terms of his delivery and finishing, maybe he is just prepared to drift and float and use his game intelligence. And just sort of go off that he's not going off any sort of uh, bias in terms of of which is his stronger foot naturally he's sort of just feeling the game out seeing where the space is seeing where the defenders may go and then reacting yeah. to it and I think that that's something where you know he, he can play wide on the left he could play wide on the right he, he he'd be very comfortable playing anywhere just down to the fact that you know in game in game change wise he, he can offer so many different things at once.
1: Yeah, he does like the Rome. He does like you know. If, I think if he gets the chance, he will do something a little bit different. He's one of those players who interprets well like that. I think he's felt. I think obviously, Mallorca are relying upon him a lot more. They see him because they understand his talent. But I think at times they have been guilty of putting a little bit too much on him. And I don't think he's really flopped in that sense. He is constantly producing, and there have been games when he is the only one looking likely to produce something. Um, and I do think he needs that support. And I think that's probably been one of the things this season. I noticed, you know, we had Salva Seria and Kubo playing together last night. And, and a lot was run, going through both of them. And you could see Kubo just played with a bit more liberation, a bit more carefree. Because he knew that somebody else was there. He knew he didn't have to be too rigid, I think, in terms of creating and, and being a certain place all the time. So I think he played a bit more freedom last night. Um, and we hopefully see that more. From, from from him that he gets that support because um, and, and, that's been the biggest issue I think I don't think it's even been on him um, he, he tries things, he does make mistakes he does lose the ball sometimes yes, absolutely but I do feel there's a, a great degree of pressure on him to, to produce everything Mallorca at times I do think as well what's important it, it's easy sort of to
0: if you just want to have a quick um, look and, and, and try and maybe understand how someone's performing. Say if you're a Real Madrid fan, you don't really watch any Mallorca games, but you want to have an understanding on, on surface level, you know, it's easy for people to to look to stats just simply such as, you know, goals, assists, and obviously now analytics has become way more accessible and there is a lot more on that side of things that you can look into but if you were to just look at the fact that you know he's only scored a few goals this season he's not contributed massively in terms of assists it's important to take into account that you know this Mallorca side, they're in the bottom three it's looking likely that they'll probably go down um, they're not exactly too blessed in terms of attacking options when you look at some of the other teams that he, he could potentially slot into given his mm-hmm. high level and it doesn't take long to kind of comb back through games and see how those figures are affected by, you know, the, 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 the fact that the entourage around him maybe aren't the best. I mean, he is always that player who, you know, he, he wants to take the risk. He wants to play the ball. If there's um, a crowded space, he's the player that you want to trust to kind of thread the needle and make something happen. Um Cutting the ball back from the byline, he can. He's got the intelligence to pick out, you know, the ball that makes the most sense, and yet when you look back at some of his games, th- there are players that are just spurning really, really good deliveries from him. Um, yeah, and and the, the reality of it is, yes, maybe his numbers in terms of production and in terms of goals um, and then product aren't too impressive when you look at them. But then if you take into the context of the whole situation and the fact that Mallorca aren't, you know, the most clinical side in the world, I think it makes it maybe a bit more impressive that he is still the man that they look to for everything.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I think, you know, there's only, um, I do believe in the the attacking spectrum, there's only Salva Sevilla who's putting out more key passes per 90 than him. I think Salva Sevilla's is on 2.18, Kubo's on 1.16. And you look at it, you know, Kubo's got four assists, Salva Sevilla's only got three assists, and also, interestingly, I found as well in terms of uh, the shots per 90, um, Kubo has only taken 1.86 and he scored three goals. Now, Cucho Hernandez has taken 2.58 per 90 shots and he scored three goals exactly the same as well. So it, sh- it goes to show that Kubo has been a little more efficient there as well. Um, and he- he's played a significant number of minutes as well now, uh, Kubo. So I think Real Madrid will be happy in terms of, it, uh, on many levels, I think, with, with, with this loan. Um, you know he's had a lot of minutes he's become central to the team so he's having to take on responsibility he's producing as well he's got goals he's got assists he's um, he's also got I guess something that too much data doesn't cover is you know the general role in build-up that he plays the number of passes he's playing in terms of linking up play in terms of you know the, the pre-assists in terms of just linking everything together in that Mioga attack way, which he is very much central to so I think if I'm Real Madrid, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking this has been a really, really successful loan right now. And now they're probably planning, you know, where do we put what do we do with him next year? Um, do we keep him or do we loan him out? And I guess that brings us to us what does happen next with Kubo in terms of a loan.
0: I think when you look when you look at how he's played for Mallorca, I think beyond all of, you know, the stats the production, those those sort of numbers, I think just Sometimes, when there's a particularly impressive player, it's almost the energy as well that he kind of adds to that team. Um, you know, it's their mentality. You can see, you know, their attitude on the ball, how they carry themselves, the fearlessness with how they make their decisions. Um, the kind of players where you kind of look at them and you can't believe their age. Um, I think that that kind of makes him it makes it easy for him to get another loan next season in La Liga if possible. I mean, obviously we'd like to watch him more. He's one of those players that you really, really enjoy getting into watching. Um, But he looks ready to, to make a step up to a club that, you know, outside of that sort of relegation battle, maybe even up towards sort of being a contributing squad option for someone that's sort of chasing Europe, that kind of level. Because, you know, he's shown that he's not afraid to shoulder responsibility, but he's shown that, you know, it it doesn't matter the level of quality. I'm prepared to step up. I'm prepared to create. And I think when you look around La Liga... you know, th- there are various teams that sort of stand out, and you think that you need a player with a sort of attitude where they're not, you know, they're not going to hide, they're going to try and create. They know they're good enough regardless of their age. It would be such a shame to see him maybe stagnate if he were to be a sort of squad player at a team like Real Madrid. We've seen people like yeah. Danny Sabayas go out on loan. We've seen um, Akara Fakimi, who's going to be leaving because he wants to play every week after getting a taste of what that was like at Dortmund. Um, so I'd be really disappointed if he doesn't follow that same kind of
1: path. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Real Madrid have got decisions to make on a number of players as well. So it'll be interesting to see what the pecking order is. Because, I mean, they've got Oscar Rodriguez, Martin Odegaard and Kubo who could all potentially fill sl- certain attack and midfield slots. And, I mean, it, it's pretty much certain that James Rodriguez is going to go. And then, you know, Bale, there's always a question mark over his future as well. Um, you know Vinicius Hazard probably is the the first choice as you say in, in, in those, for those wide slots in the attack where those players coming back would like to play ideally so there's a bit of a decision, like there are decisions there to make I think at this point they're probably looking at Odegaard and thinking right he can come back and he can play they might sell Oscar to, to raise some money for a big move for somebody and that's why I think Kubo might go out and then there's also the issue of the non-EU slots as well um, so you have to take that into account and for me, I think a no brainer surely it would be Odegaard coming back and then Kubo being sent to Real Sociedad, who would hopefully have Europa League football under their belt. I know their form's dropped off at the time of recording, but that would be a good move, no? Yeah, definitely. I think
0: that the way that the energy that, that Real Sociedad play with, they rely on technical players. They've shown through promoting, you know, their own young players from their from their ZBS academy, and from Sanse. That you know, there's a, there's a conveyor belt there and a trust in young players there, and you would just hope that obviously, you know, a club like Real Sociedad, they would maybe want a sort of a longer loan, like they've tried to get for Odegaard. They would maybe want that two years, just so that they're not, you know, prioritising another player's development over yeah. players that are from, you know, their, their own clubs themselves. But I mean, I think that would definitely be somewhere that. It's enjoyable to watch Kubo at Mallorca, but I think playing in a a system and a team who, you know, they want to be attacking, they want to be direct, they want to play with energy, they want to play out from the back. I mean, I think Heath, you know, he'd connect a lot of dots in midfield um, and I think also it would, you know, free uh, Ayazabal to to maybe play in a bit more of a direct attacking role rather than sometimes Mm -hmm. playing in that 10 role. Thank you for listening to the most recent episode of Talking La Liga. Follow us on Soundcloud and on Twitter at Talking La Liga and let us know which young players you want us to cover next from the game in
1: Spain.